Believe it or not, I was kind of excited to talk about fear. Doesn't that sound kind of weird? I've just always been fascinated with villains, for those people that can get inside your head, and there's nobody that does that better than Anthony Hopkins' Hannibal Lecter. This villain, question mark, (laughs) is so in our heads that it's hard to believe that in Silence of the Lambs, which is my favorite movie of all time, he's really on screen for less than 20 minutes but he stays in your head long after the credits roll. Specifically, this fear section of the movie for me, even though all of Sons of the Lambs can exhibit fear, is this final conversation with Jodie Foster's Clarice as Hannibal is telling her he's got to run. Your father would have been proud today. Don't forget your phone call. Starling. Wow, Clarice. Have the lamb stopped screaming? After letter. Don't bother with the trace. I won't be on long enough. Where are you, Dr. Lecter? I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. Care now to extend me the same courtesy. You know I can't make that promise. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Doctor Lighter. Doctor Lighter. Doctor Lighter. Doctor Lighter. So the fact that he's saying, I'm having an old friend for dinner, is so brilliantly Hannibal. He's Hannibal the cannibal, so we know that he's probably making some allusions, and we'll find out later in some of these movies that he is making allusions to the fact that he's going to go eat somebody that he doesn't like very much. So Clarice has an interesting relationship with Hannibal. He actually ends up helping her a lot and really admires her and will admit that. Uh, in this movie and later on in in, in uh, extra installments. But with fear, her repeating his name, that's kind of our signal of a loss of basic needs. Clarice finds out really quickly that Hannibal makes her uncomfortable and he knows that he's doing it. So the fact that she knows he's loose and he's putting out there the fact that he is not going to tell her where he is, that's terrifying. She knows that he's escaped and that Hannibal gets to do whatever he wants. Welcome to Story Shape Life, a podcast where we try to help make sense of the stories we believe about ourselves, others, and the world we live in. We're your hosts, Ben and Sam. And this season, we're talking about emotions. We're joined by Emily, a licensed professional counselor, who'll help us unpack the meaning and motivation behind the way we feel. Welcome back to Story Shape Life. Today is episode two of season two. Today we are focusing on fear. So to get us started, Emily, could you help us out with the definition? You bet. Um, Fear is going to signal to us that we have experienced some sort of threat to our basic needs, and it's going to give us the energy to fight or flight. Um, So when we talk about basic needs, that's going to be things like... um, Food, shelter, care. It can also be things like safety, um, nurture, that kind of stuff. Cool. So how would you, do you 
how would you differentiate needs from wants in the idea when it comes to fear? We talked a little bit about this when it came to anger, but I think fear is a little more interesting because it deals so specifically with needs. Yeah, specifically, I'd like to differentiate those that wouldn't be considered survival. Or, you know, there's yeah. there's a certain level that's like, okay, food and water, we need to just exist. Right. Like our human body. But like there's others that are still needs, but maybe people wouldn't qualify yeah, them that as Yeah, trigger needs. fear, but we wouldn't think about it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So there are a lot of needs that are emotional. Um, safety can be both a physical safety, like your life is not in danger, but it can also be an emotional safety. Um, so being able to express our emotions um, because the environment that we're in is safe. Um, In order to progress as a human, you need to feel safe. In fact, there are studies that have been done in orphanages where kids were only given their physical needs, like their diapers were changed and they were given food um, and they end up dying because they weren't cared for emotionally. Yeah, I think there's a point that I, it's almost a point that's going to apply to every episode that we talk about, but we are emotional beings. Yes. Emotions is is naturally embedded in who we are as humans. It is not some secondary, like, cherry on top. Like, it is who we are. Yeah, and I think you've said this plenty of times before, but the idea of, like, there are different levels of emotiveness yeah right like expression of those emotions but everybody has emotions yeah and that's important yeah tarzan does not exist that's not possible (laughs) i guess the gorillas like loved him yeah he was so he got emotional yeah exactly anyways (laughs) they did what a tangent (laughs) but i i i think the distinction between emotiveness and emotions is really important right because oftentimes we kind of group them together yeah people say all the time like i'm not really emotional it's like no 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 Yes, you're not exactly. very emotive, exactly. or but you are. I'm very emotional. I hear that all the time too. Oh uh, yeah, like no, you have the same amount as everybody else. You just express your emotions more openly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think there's also unhealthiness on both ends of those that continuum. You can be an unhealthy, unemotive person, mm, and you yep. can be an unhealthy, emotive person yep. too. No, that's good. Okay, before we get too far, real quick. I want to kind of gather from you guys, what are the words that we use when we're describing the emotion of fear? We just don't use the word afraid very often outside of like physical needs. So what are the words that we use to describe that emotion in our everyday conversation? The word anxiety. Totally. is definitely one. And I I almost think we use anxiety like we use stress for anger. Well, and Mm. I I think we even use stress Stress for Probably is another one, yep. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's almost like this like, cover all fears yeah and what i think one of the problems that using a word like anxiety or stress can be is it becomes very broad and not specific yeah we no longer are saying i'm afraid of being lonely or i'm afraid of being rejected anxious about things going poorly on my test or something or something i'm anxious about my finances We, we we say i'm just anxious about what's going on in my life right now and we we leave it at that yeah and the danger in that is you never really get into What's what, driving it? What's yeah. driving it? And yeah. the, the same goes for s- stress. We use stress as just such a general term, yeah. as often like stress of finances is such a yep. common one. 
saying I'm stressed because I don't know if I'm going to make my bills that month. And really we're saying we're afraid exactly. that we're not going to. Yeah, that's really good. Any others that you can think of? Worries probably in there. I'm worried yeah. about. I'm worried. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that one's important because in communicating to another person, worry has so much less weight than fear does. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't, have, they don't, we talked about this last time, but it doesn't, they don't all have to have the same level of intensity. If we know that fear is behind the word worry, we can say, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of worried about paying the bills this month. And it may have, it's like a low level fear and that's yeah. totally okay. You don't have to say every time I am fearful about, right? Like I'm it's okay freaking to, out. Yeah. It, it, it's okay to have different, freaking out's a good one actually. Flabbergasted. <laughs> um, concerned. We, we, I don't know if people, you'll still use that word, but we talk about, yeah. I'm a little concerned. Yeah. So there's a couple of words in there. I think it's just good to kind of collect those so that we know that when we're using those words, what we're really saying or what we're really talking about, we really mean what we say, but what we're really talking about, the emotion behind what we're talking about is, in this case, fear. So getting back to fear, fear. I think what is fear, we understand, I think, a little bit more uh, that it's not always, um, how do I want to say this? I guess like rooted in reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like that our emotions are always telling us something about the world around us, but that doesn't mean it's always perfectly accurate. accurate. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to ever ignore them, but you also don't want to like take them in wholesale. And I think fear is one that, that we kind of get that a little bit more, right? That there are things that are actually should cause fear in us and that there's other things that develop fear that like isn't real or isn't like, you know, and yeah. I think this is where the idea of, of anxiety kind of mm-hmm. kicks in. Yeah. yeah. So an irrational fear is anxiety. That's that's yeah. the definition of anxiety. So in the idea of like needs, how does that play out or how does that begin to develop? I think in most situations, the thought that is driving the anxiety is based on a need not getting met. Mm. But then the question would be, is the need actually not being met? Not that people are creating a need that's not actually a need. Let's use the example of being afraid of sharks. Like it is legitimate to fear a shark. Absolutely. They're, All those they're teeth. dangerous creatures that could hurt you badly. So many teeth. <laughs> but if we're thinking about the probability of being attacked by a shark, am I actually telling myself the truth about how likely it is that I will get eaten by the shark? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, one of my... Uh, kind of favorite examples of this reality or this idea was um, if you're from Dallas, uh, we know we got some listeners from all over the world. So shout out to you guys. Um, We're going to tell you this little story about something that happened in Dallas. I guess it was two years ago, more or less. So two years ago, um, there was a a terrible hurricane that um, hit Houston. And yeah, I remember one of the, like the original story was, Hey, Houston has a shortage of gas right? Yeah, because of the refineries around Houston. So basically then all of Dallas was like, oh, there's not going to be gas for weeks. We get our gas from Houston. Right. So So there's not going to be gas for weeks. Everybody better go get gas. So the entire city of Dallas and surrounding suburbs, I mean, we are talking hundreds of thousands of people went berserk. Like people I know left work. To go get gas. Right, right. Because they needed to fill up their tank because they were they were afraid that they were there was not going to be enough gas. Now, what's... Which, hu- funny fact. What's this hilarious 
prior to this rumor going around, there was no shortage in Dallas and there never was going to be. But the fear of the shortage and the number of people that went out to their gas stations caused a shortage of gas in Dallas. Yeah. Like that, it's, it's hilarious. Um, but I think it's a great example of what happens with anxiety is Absolutely. we, we begin to like play out a fear and we, cr- and we actually create the thing that we are fearing, right? We, we, yeah. we begin to like live into a reality that's not there and therefore cause that to become true yeah. and real. And, not that you would like cause a shark to attack you, no. but you would cause a really miserable beach trip. Right. Yeah. You right. know, exactly. like because you're living in your head 24 seven totally. thinking about what you would do about this shark attack. Right. Now I will say as somebody who has experienced uh, extreme anxiety to the point of um, one time I went blind, that's a long story. We're not making fun of no anxiety or if you like the point yeah. of the story is more of trying to, trying to help you understand What's at work? What's at work in irrational fear? And, and that kind of transitions to something I wanted to bring up. That emotion, no matter how rooted in reality or fiction it is, is a real emotion. Absolutely. Totally. And one of the mistakes that even I make, and I think we make as humans, is we see that it's irrational mm-hmm. and therefore we discredit the yep. emotion completely. Right. In ourselves and in others. Like exactly. that is the last thing that someone struggling with anxiety needs to hear is like oh but that's not real it'll be fine like the the emotion that they're having is very very real real. yeah exactly and unless you deal with the emotion the reality doesn't even doesn't matter because that the emotion is still very real and at work yeah and before we get into a conversation about fear specifically and how it plays out in our lives and how to use it as a tool uh i think it brings up kind of a a good conversation that I would like to have about kind of the cultural implications and how culture views fear and how our surroundings kind of deal with that. Yeah. Like we talked about anger being a strong emotion last week. I think fear is often seen as a weak emotion and and ridiculous people feel it kind of thing. Yeah. And there's something interesting to me culturally about fear in that we we know that it's valid on some level, right? Like if there's like a tiger in front of you, you're like, that guy should be afraid. That's okay. Uh, but we we cut off, kind of go, going back to the idea of needs, we're totally fine with the idea of fear surrounding physical needs, but we tend to cut off mm-hmm. when it comes to emotional needs. Yeah, you're weak if you feel exactly right emotional fear. But what's also really interesting on top of that to me is that I see us as human beings react a lot to fear of- Vulnerability. And- right, of, of the possibility of other- difficult emotions so the fear of Mm. shame or the fear of retaliation of anger or the right like that leads us to respond to things too so it's very much a it's a very normal part of our day to be fearful yeah but we're we're just dictates a lot of our choices yes but we're so not okay with that culturally to be to to be fearful or to recognize that fear again Mm -hmm. it's like oh if there's a tiger good everything else shut it down yeah and i think one of the interesting things in that conversation is that trying to deny a fear doesn't make the fear go away. Right. There's, there's no victory to hiding the fact that you're afraid of something. Mm -hmm. There's, there's no use for it. And the implication like that will not only affect you, but affects the people around you. And this kind of comes into a conversation we had in, in, in our last episode, but you start to cover up your fear with other emotions. Right. 
then yep. it's like someone's acting irrationally angry and you don't understand why they're mm-hmm. acting this angry. And maybe it's because there's so much pressure on them to not feel fear. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to be scared of this. Or uh, they're withdrawing and you think that they're being distant and uninterested, but really they're just afraid. Exactly. Yeah. You have a phrase um, uh, where you talk about emotions, what happens when we... Buried alive, never die. That's it. That's one of my favorite phrases of yours. Uh, Emotions buried alive, never die. And that, again, will continue to be true for all emotions. But I think fear is one of those that we think, oh, I just, I need to overcome it. I need to power through. Then we just shove it down and we don't actually deal with the fear, but that will come out in our actions. Like you cannot stop it. Just for the record, that was um, uh, Sigmund Freud. Quote, emotions Not an buried, Emily Lars yeah, of all. Yeah, yeah. Emotions buried alive. <laughs> well, never you taught die. it to me, so that counts for something. I specifically want to bring up a word that you just use uh, in terms of overcoming fear, the word overcoming, because that's where I feel like our perceptions kind of warped, hmm. especially culturally, where we view overcoming fear as shoving fear down, hmm. not actually overcoming oh, that's good. Yeah. fear. Yeah. Because I, th- I feel like real overcoming fear looks like assessing a situation having like responding in fear to the situation, but making a decision that is not contingent only on the fear. Yeah. It recognizes I am afraid and then I can do what I want or I can. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's really good. Yeah. There's a definition of mental health. That is the unwavering commitment to reality, no matter the cost. And I think that goes along with what you guys are saying. Um, Like if you bury it, then if you pretend like you're not afraid, you're not actually committed to the reality that the situation you might be entering into is scary, but you have the choice to make a, a, a decision on if you participate or not. Was that Freud too? <laughs> uh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to kind of close this conversation about cultures specifically, as we talk about fear being kind of one of the, the weaker mm. perceived emotions, I think it's also worth mentioning that 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 has played a role in gender roles mm. in our culture today. Mm. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. I I have perceived at least that fear has been very much a attribute that is looked down upon especially in guys. Yeah. Yeah. Culturally, we have this idea that it's totally okay for guys to be angry. Mm-hmm. but it's not okay for them to be scared or yeah. have fear. Yeah. yeah. And it is, it has done so much damage yeah. to families, to men. And when you put it that way, it's very easy to see how toxic it can be for a society to tell men, Hey, when you're afraid, just go ahead and be angry. Right? Like yeah. that's not good. That yeah. doesn't help anybody. And, and it creates this Ugh. environment that I feel like excuses irrationality. Yeah. So I excuses I, a lot of stuff. It, I, it really does. culture and like exactly. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, I I remember having a conversation with someone, a guy who was very angry, and and I remember being in a conversation with that person's family, and then being like, "This anger is very rational," and I'm like, "No, it's very irrational. It's not directed anywhere. It doesn't have a starting point." Like there's there's no use to this anger. It's not doing a job. But it's we just we anger. we excuse it. Yeah. Because as a male, he was allowed to feel angry, yeah. even yeah. though that emotion was not rooted yeah. in anything. Yeah. So how do you see that fear working out 
I mean, your experience is going to be your own. And But in general, how do you see that with working out in women? Oh, uh, well, the first thing that I thought of uh, was the impacts of living in a constant state of fear. And I think that um, can apply to um, just like minorities in general, whether that's race, religion, gender. Um, but if there is a reason to be afraid, the impacts that that has on your brain over time to be in a constant state of fear. Mm. So a little different than like the way we feel different emotions and stuff and, and how that's different in different genders, but the disadvantage that people automatically have in life whenever their their brains are in a constant state of fear. Oof. Yeah. And I think constant state of fear is interesting because that is something I don't think we necessarily always undermine. Like, I think if a girl explains that she's scared walking on the street alone at night, yeah. everybody's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Right. But if she says, hey, I'm just afraid to be around men because yeah. I have a certain fear that something might happen. Yeah. We're like, oh, that's so irrational. Right. Like, why would you feel that way all the time? Right. Yeah. I, we have a friend recently was explaining it to me. I, as a male, get on an elevator with other people, including other men, and don't think twice about it. And I'm not a big dude, but I still just implicitly just have a like, I'll be fine. Like, whatever. And she was telling us like, she gets on an elevator and immediately is aware of like, are there other dudes on this elevator? How many? What do they look like? Right? Like, how close am I to them? Right? And just because she's female and because and there's something in our society that is like Em said, I think disadvantaged different groups of people by placing this environment of perpetual fear on them. Yeah. And 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 again, to your point, not letting I think we're slowly getting better at this. I hope we're getting better at this, but not letting people recognize that and say, Hey, I'm I'm afraid because of this and saying, like, okay, I'm sorry that you're afraid. Like and and instead of we automatically go to the like, but that's ridiculous. Why would any of those guys do anything to you? It's like yeah. that's not the point. The point is just let them like that's what our society has exactly. become. So they feel afraid. So let's yes. just do that first. And and what the big damage that comes from oh, that's ridiculous. You shouldn't feel that way, as we don't do anything to help it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Realizing that's a lot of times you have to adapt yourself to that situation in light of the fear that is in. Yeah. You also don't have to apologize. It's like I mean I don't, this is going to be a weird way to, to put this. Uh, I don't identify as a white male. We're Hispanic. That I identify as Hispanic, right? but I look very white. And so I've had to recognize in the last couple of years that I walk into places as a white male, meaning I'm not worried about the cop. I'm not worried about, right? There's just things that I don't worry about because yeah. society has provided that for me. Now, I don't have to apologize for that necessarily, but I also need to not just live in that and not, be aware of what other people are having to experience and how I can participate in society in a way that helps change that. Yeah. And so, Emily, I have one last question for you. But before we get into that, I just kind of want to recap this conversation by stressing again, uh, kind of a call to, for all of us, to not just judge people by what seems rational or irrational to us, but realize that those fears that other people are feeling are real mm -hmm. and maybe starting to act or respond to their emotions rather than just our judgment of reality. Mm 
So don't just respond to, I don't have to change my behavior because she shouldn't feel afraid right now. But realize she does feel afraid. What can I do to help the situation? What can I do to be kind of a, a positive influence on culture as a whole? Because that that's what's going to eventually chip away at those fears in general. Anyways, enough about culture and all the macro studies that we can get all into. The, all the problems. Emily, could you help us land kind of the, the concept of fear and talk a little bit more about what happens when we don't use fear or when we don't recognize fear and use it the way it's supposed to be used? Yeah, so if we're not aware of what those basic needs are and that they're not getting met or they're being threatened, um, then we're going to find ourselves in more situations that are threatening to us. So in plain English, we're going to walk down a lot more dark alleys. Whether actual dark alleys or emotional dark alleys. Exactly. And that being said, I want to add a point that I think is important. Fear is 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 a, a real emotion, but also not getting stuck. Yeah, and it being the just end because all something be all. scary doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Yes, exactly. And there is validity to failure. Yeah, you know, I I don't think here's what I'm trying to get at. I don't think fear should be used to always not fail. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of times fear is observing a situation realizing what might be the negative repercussions, what are the things that kind of make us uncomfortable that we're not sure about. But many times that might still look like going into that situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although that fear is valid. Although it's important to use that fear to assess the situation and to to determine what you're going to do. It's not an ending point. The reason we don't do these things is because it requires us to be responsible. And we just want to (laughs) live our lives. But if we're aware of our fear and we we choose to respond to it, then we have to be responsible. And and that that's hard. Totally. Well, this has been great. I feel like we could talk about fear for a long time because again, this is something that we all experience every day. Um, so what we uh, are doing this season is um, just kind of opening this, opening this up for questions. So if you've got questions, go ahead and email us at storyshapedlife at gmail.com. And we are going to collect all of those questions from all the different episodes and then do some sort of panel or just final episode um, after we go through the nine core emotions. And again, like last time, um, so you guys know, if you didn't listen to episode one, one, you should go back and do that. Uh, Two, we are putting together a essentially a sort of emotion tool for you guys um, that we'll launch or we'll send out um, at the end of this season. Uh, But what we need from you guys is just the words that you use to describe fear um, in your everyday conversation. And we talked about a couple of those in this episode, but if you've got other ones, um, then just let us know. So again, send us in that same email when you're asking your questions, just tell us, yeah, these are kind of the words that I generally use when I'm describing fear or I'm, yeah, I'm describing that emotion. That's what we got. Thank you so much for listening. We want to give a huge shout out to the boys from two chunks in a hunk for that awesome little bit at the beginning. They're going to be joining us uh, all throughout this season. So that's awesome. And join us next week as we tackle my biggest fear, loneliness.